each one of these from seven to eight and now from eight to nine, it's like a relay race with handing a baton. So, um, you know, I, I sat down and met with JJ and he just kind of had like a brief discussion. But the truth is he and Chris Terrio, who he's writing it with, they're they're working away right now and they're figuring out where it's going to go and they're they're finding and telling their story for where it's going to end. And I'm both as a Star Wars fan, as a JJ fan, I'm actually I'm thrilled to step back and just become an audience member again. So we'll see where it goes. Luke is gone. I felt it. But it wasn't sadness or pain. It was peace and purpose. I felt it too. How do we build a rebellion from this? We have everything we need. fans and moof milkers everywhere welcome to episode number 151 of blast points this is jason and this is gabe it's a crazy time where we are now almost exactly one year from the last jedi and one year to episode nine <laughs> where i feel like between force awakens and last jedi we were distracted by rogue one so we didn't even ponder that that was what was going on at that time yeah now we have nothing to do but think i wonder what ray's doing right now start making charting things out on graph paper who's gonna go where what's gonna happen (laughs) got yarn and string hanging up from wall to wall in my house this person knows this person knows this person goes where what's the timeline how many years has it been how many months has it been i still stare at a picture of jj abrams face every morning for an hour to try and unlock the secrets of his mind the the blurry picture of maybe people on the falcon maybe (laughs) yeah i have that blown up and taped over my bed so first thing when i wake up in the morning what is going on we're gonna be going all into that the fact that we are right in between eight and nine in a little bit but first we haven't done the news in a while we've been so busy captain eo the holiday special we've been distracted (laughs) we've been trying to change the world it's a full-time job. But meanwhile, nobody's stopping the Mandalorian. We're Mandalorious at this point. No disintegration. As you wish. And now, Boba Fett, Star Wars villain with his laser rifle. All of this because of one helmeted bounty hunter. Oh, so, what? There's been... A lot of unofficial official casting, right? We've gotten lots of, yeah, we've gotten lots of these people are going to be in The Mandalorian, but not anything officially confirmed, but close enough confirmed that we can be excited for it. The Variety Hollywood Reporter kind of confirmed, but yeah, no announcements on StarWars.com or the Star Wars show or anything like that, which is kind of weird, but... It reminds me of like kind of like when Alden Ehrenreich was cast as Solo and it was 
by the time they officially did announce it at Celebration Europe, it was just kind of like, oh, yeah, we've known that for months now. Maybe they don't want anything, any photos or anything in print because it just, it might curse the announcement. (laughs) They're going to wait till everything's filmed and done before they actually admit to who anyone is directing or in the show. A half hour before The Mandalorian premieres on Disney+. Plus. Here's the cast. Yeah. So I know it's old news, but one person cast, Pedro Pascal, who we know as Oberyn Martell from Game of Thrones. I think it was the article in Variety was saying he's cast as the lead. So we're going to assume that is the Mandalorian, maybe. And maybe he'll have a sweet mustache. We don't know. He did in in Kingsman 2. He had a mustache. So is the world ready with this? In the Cassie Andor show, two sweet mustache shows. Disney Plus is the plus is actually a mustache. It's two mustaches on top of each other. That's why they call it Disney Plus. So if he's the Mandalorian and they've been filming now for kind of a while, who's is that him in the suit? Do you think? Or it's that's the I guess the fun and mystery of a character who wears a helmet is anyone could be in the suit when they're in the suit. I don't know. Maybe it's like uh, Tony Stark and it's like we just see in helmet view of Pedro Pascal and he just does it over Skype (laughs) and they just have a stuntman on set. But I always liked him on Game of Thrones. and I think that's going to be really cool. Yeah, he was great on Game of Thrones and he was good in Kingsman. I'm sure he's been in other stuff, too, but those are the only two things I've seen him in. But I liked him in both. So it's exciting. And he seems Mandalorian ish, whatever that means. He's going to be uh, poisoning kids' uh, juice in their lunches. or I hope he's Dutch, one of Duchess Satine's little nephews. Auntie, auntie, I'm all grown up now, auntie. Don't, don't drink the juice, auntie. Our dreams are coming true. He's just always talking about, oh, auntie, she was a tough one. <laughs> they dub over his voice. It's Pedro Pascal's face. Hello, it's me. I'm back. <laughs> I'm still mad they killed Auntie. More people are cast, right? So we have potentially Gina Carano. Was she the kickboxer extraordinaire? And she was in Fast and the Furious 6. And she was in a great movie that no one ever talks about. Steven Soderbergh's Haywire. Yeah, from 2011. She was the lead in that. I saw that. I saw it in the theater, too. Man, that is a movie, nonstop wall-to-wall action, and she was the lead. And I think for a while after that, after Haywire came out, I was like, man, why isn't she in every movie? I think because they had to dub her voice in that movie. That made it even better. Not everybody's ready ready for dubbed main characters, but Star Wars is ready. (laughs) My favorite action movies, the main character's voice is dubbed across the line. I'm looking at you. Rumble in the Bronx. It's true. It's a it's a sign of quality. So you're not distracted by real voice. Well, it's like Star Wars. Everybody's dubbed, so it's perfect. I've been a Haywire fan now for about seven years, waiting for her to show up in a Star Wars movie and kick people in the face. So this one is rumored, but not confirmed by anything, right? Is that potentially Carl Weathers is in the show, right? I think Making Star Wars has talked about that. I hope that one is true. Oh, please, please, please have him come out in American flag shorts. Have James Brown introduce him. I really hope he's fighting the Mandalorian in a ring. Uh, yeah, I'm ready for more Carl Weathers. You know, remember I was telling you, so there was the new Chicago, like Law and Order Universe shows. There was Chicago Justice, which had Sweet Chuck from... <laughs> Police Academy as as one of the judges. It also had Carl Weathers as like the the district attorney for Chicago, which was pretty awesome because it was just Carl Weathers in a suit every episode, but it got canceled. So now he's just waiting around, I guess, to fight aliens, hopefully. Or maybe he'll be a space district attorney. (laughs) He'll just keep getting the Mandalorian out of trouble, out of legal trouble. I think it's interesting (laughs) that like Carl Weathers is going to be an older character, so... Whatever kind of character Carl Weathers would play, it's like, well, where was he during the original trilogy? Who would he play? You know, wh- whatever role Carl Weathers plays is going to be juicy. 
Very exciting. Speaking of juicy roles, that kind of leads us to our final bit of Mandalorian casting. and <laughs> Another juicy older character. <laughs> Somebody who's probably got an amazing backstory. I was shocked when I read this. Nick Nolte. <laughs> oh, Nick Nolte. <laughs> <laughs> They need something uh, fuzzy and absorbing to soak up all the all the juice from Carl Weathers on the screen. So they got scruffy old Nick Nolte to soak it up. Finally, we can get a Nick Nolte action figure because, you know, for the Hulk, it was just like a blob with like, you know, like a stone face and like a crossing guard hand or something. Yeah, jellyfish in the clouds still. Oh, never forget. Never forget, nope. But (laughs) I like with Nick Nolte, too, when his uh, casting announcement happened like a couple weeks ago or last week, whatever, every photo that every news outlet ran was like the craziest picture of Nick Nolte anyone's ever seen. And everyone was like, oh, that's the picture you're going to use? Oh, we got a better picture than that. That's the picture you use? Oh, no, we can find an even better picture. Nick Nolte. I how did that phone call go? Was it Favreau? Was it Kat, did Kathy Kennedy call Nick Nolte? <laughs> was it Bob Iger? Like, he was just at Bob Iger's house <laughs> washing his cars. He Bob Iger came downstairs and Nick Nolte was in his refrigerator. I saw you don't have any Dr. Pepper in there. <laughs> I'm going to go down to the Circle K and get you some pepper, Iger. He's going to get me a job or get me a Dr. Pepper. You're all out of Dr. Pepper. Nick Nolte, out. Maybe he's going to play an older (laughs) Wookiee. And they'll just put white hair on the rest of his body. But keep the Nick Nolte head and uh, face. I mean, Nolte is old enough. He could have been, or whatever his character is, he could have been alive during the Clone Wars. Maybe he's going to play old Rex, who's like 100 years old. Are we going to get Nick Nolte on a TV screen talking about the Clone Wars and saying some Star Wars gibberish? I think so. Well, hopefully, I just took a second here to look at Nick Nolte pictures, and there's one of him in, like, a plaid shirt and plaid pajama pants walking around. So hopefully, uh, he just wears that in the show, so we get that as a figure. Uh, all my other clones command, I don't know what the hell I'm saying. I'm Nick Nolte. <laughs> I can't wait. Can we get a Hot Toys Nick Nolte? I think so. <laughs> yeah, I think they hired him because he doesn't. They don't even need to give him a costume. He'll just come wear whatever he's wearing, and it's totally already Star Wars. <laughs> or he's just getting paid in George Lucas's old flannel shirts, plaid shirts. Like, I don't even want any money. Just give me all the plaid shirts. Uh, can we get a Nick Nolte T-shirt out of this deal? Something, please. Is Steve Sansweet going to build a Nick Nolte winged at Rancho Obi-Wan? Yeah, the Mandalorian is shaping up to be something really special. Just keeps getting better. So let's scrape the bottom of the bowl of episode nine. See if we can get some scraps. (laughs) Let's lick the batter. Digging, digging through episode nine's trash. See what we can find. Uh, maybe there's a half-eaten cupcake in there. Everybody's favorite person, Kevin Smith, was on Good Morning America last week, and he was talking episode nine. There are babies that were born when they started filming episode nine, and they're now getting driver's license. They're now all working on episode nine. They're doing all the catering that Anthony Daniels is eating. So let's go over some of the stuff that Kevin Smith was talking about. So the highlights are, he says he saw things from across all the movies. So I don't know if that means all the Star Wars movies or just all movies ever made. He saw stuff from Police Academy 4, Citizens on Patrol. It was crazy. It really ties everything together. If he is saying that there is stuff from all the Star Wars movies, which, which we've heard rumors that that was like a possibility before. And there is like 
more direct references or things maybe from episodes one, two, and three, then that is pretty exciting. Yeah, I spend way too much time thinking about that of what what could they do, what would they do from one, two, and three to tie it all together. Especially after watching with the Star Wars All-Star stuff with Roger. Even if they just have like a battle droid walking around, like that would be enough for me <laughs> yeah. to go crazy. So like what what are we gonna get? Yeah. I can think of one person that would show up, you know, the face of the prequels, Hayden Christensen. I'll believe it when I see it, but I don't know. That'd be pretty cool. Ray and Kylo are going to start kissing, and then the ghost of Hayden Christensen is going to show up and start kissing the two of them. <laughs> Everybody just bursts into flames. <laughs> it's like the, the, the nuke scene from T2 just fireballs, and everyone turns to ash. <laughs> it's cut to the theater. It's a bunch of burned skeletons. Yes. People on swing sets. Swing and skeletons. No fate but what we make. No, I, but yeah, I, I'm going to be thinking about that one for a while. Like, how are they going to tie all the movies together? <laughs> Kylo has the posters for the prequels in his, in, his, in his bedroom. Attack of the Clones is my favorite one. I like the romance. John Williams' theme is one of the best, most underrated of the whole saga. <laughs> I was inspired by Across the Stars to put a cross on my lightsaber. Do you get it? Cross saber, cross guard, across. <laughs> All right, moving on. JJ's doing the Lord's work, man. This movie looks fantastic. It's a year away. Biggest set I've ever seen in my life. Like it was. It's. It's like it's the dude's not directing a movie. It's like he's directing a small country. I was thinking about that one. If he's just comparing it to the, his movies, that wouldn't be too hard. <laughs> but he was on the set. He was on set for uh, Force Awakens, so I think. He's seen some big stuff. It makes me wonder, though, what he saw. What was what? It's it's impossible to guess because we know zero about this movie. I wonder. I mean, is it a first order thing? Is it a resistance thing? Is it like how JJ built the magical woods for the end of Force Awakens, and that was a pretty massive thing? I'd, something like that, like a fake outside that's actually inside a studio. I don't know. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking, because going back and thinking about all the other movies, like what were the biggest sets? And it was like Dagobah was huge, the Sail Barge. Echo Base. But man, it looks fantastic. I wept on set because I saw somebody give a career best performance, somebody I've seen in these movies before. I rolled a tear. It was so darn powerful. Obviously talking about (laughs) PZ4CO. I know. She finally ties the knot with uh, G897. The movie ends with their wedding. Except for PZ has one human hand that, that she holds G897 robot hand with. C-3PO and R2-D2 are there at the wedding. Yeah. My first thought was Mark Hamill. Because it's like, well, what would make Kevin Smith cry? And someone he's, who's been in other Star Wars movies before, is it Mark Hamill as Luke? That was my first thought. I guess I was thinking maybe it was Billy D. Because Mark acted his butt off for a whole movie with Last Jedi that, I mean, maybe we're going to get the Last Jedi version of Billy D in Episode Nine. Yeah, because who else would it be? Unless Wedge shows up and just winks at the camera. Kevin Smith bursts into tears. Crix Maydeen shows back up with a newer, better, faker, great big bushy beard. <laughs> with a CG beard. Oh, we need a CG beard. Come on. It'd be perfect. That would make me cry. <laughs> they are going to CG someone else's face into Nick Nolte's beard. Yeah, maybe maybe it was Nick Nolte that showed up, made Kevin Smith cry. Maybe Kevin Smith thought Nick Nolte played the Wampa in Empire. Well, he says, you know, I've seen in these movies before. So maybe to Kevin Smith, they, they're just all these movies. Like I was at the theater and I saw these movies over the weekend. You know, they're all these movies. But hey, he was... Excited and crying at Force Awakens, and that turned out pretty good. So it's the best we've got right now. <laughs> so I'll take it. <laughs> Kevin Smith's tears. If you look, if you zoom in on his tears, you can see the reflection of the set he was looking at. Force will <laughs> It's time for the Jedi to end. 
誰も見たことのない衝撃のスター・ウォーズ進むべきは光か闇か I need someone to show me my place in all this スター・ウォーズ最後のジェダイ So, like we were saying at the start of the show, we are at that magical middle period between eight and nine. Saga movies coming to a close, at least this saga, the Skywalker saga, coming to a close. Got one movie left a year from now, December 2019. And, like we've said all throughout this episode, We don't know anything. Nothing. We don't even know what color we're supposed to draw the logo. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was thinking about that today. I was thinking, like, man, maybe we'll get a title announcement or something. And maybe we'll see, like, what color the logo is going to be. Is it going to be blue? <laughs> if they do blue, would blue be cool? <laughs> yeah. Well, one thing we do know is that The Last Jedi still has the juice. It's the gift that keeps on giving. I'm not sick of it. I can't stop watching it. I feel like I'm neglecting Solo. It's the new kid, and I still just want to watch The Last Jedi. Yeah, it's hard to believe it's been a year already. Because when I was watching it again this week, it was like, man, it just feels like two weeks ago I went to the theater and watched it. I feel like it's like when you meet someone and you instantly have chemistry with them, they're like, I feel like I've known you my whole life. <laughs> That's how I feel with Last Jedi. I feel, I feel like you've always been there, Last Jedi. And I just now met you, or a year ago. Let the past die. That's the only way to become what you were meant to be. Darkness rises, and light to meet it. I need someone to show me my place in all this. Come on! This is not going to go the way you think. One way that we can start to think about what could possibly be going on in the mysterious episode nine is going back and looking at The Last Jedi again and looking at each character, what happened to them in The Last Jedi and how that might inform what happens to them in nine. Yeah, this will be interesting because. Of all the movies, maybe? I mean, other than maybe A New Hope, Last Jedi kind of ends very ambiguous as far as what the next steps are. So kind of the characters could go anywhere. Last Jedi did a great job of surprising us. Some people might disagree with the great job thing, but surprising the audience with where the characters went and defying expectations. But some of it was very clear, kind of what was probably going to happen after Force Awakens. But yeah, I don't think we've had another new chapter of the Star Wars saga that was this wide open, probably since A New Hope to Empire. Since A New Hope didn't know there was ever going to be another one, it kind of just ended. But Empire definitely ended with you knowing where the story was headed and what was going to come next to a point. I guess episode one kind of left you. You didn't really know. What was going to happen? Well, I guess you kind of knew because he knew <laughs> he's going to turn into Darth Vader eventually. There's a Clone War and stuff. But yeah, it's like Force Awakens to Last Jedi is almost, we've, I think we've said this a million times, it's almost like one big five hour movie. And by the end of Last Jedi, you want to see where the characters go next, but there's not a lot of hints to where they're going next. Because it's not like Empire, we're like, hey, we're going to go to. <laughs> To Tatooine and try to find Han, or we're going to go look for Han and check out with Jabba the Hutt. We kind of knew, we kind of knew what to expect at the beginning of Jedi. Well, let's let's go through and see if we can figure out any hints that might have been given to us, character by character. Let's start with Finn. What what happened to Finn in the Last Jedi? He was reunited with Rey at the end. He. Has a relationship with Rose, just kind of starting. And I think most importantly, he starts The Last Jedi still kind of running away from the fight, kind of like he was all throughout Force Awakens. And by the end of Last Jedi, in that moment when he knocks out Phasma and declares himself as rebel scum, I think he's come full circle. He's now a rebel. 
Yeah, he's definitely a rebel and definitely all about protecting his friends and not just Ray, all of his friends, who now he went from no friends to having Ray and Poe and Rose and pretty much everyone left on the resistance. He has now admitted to himself and recognized that he is a re- part of the resistance. It's like he said to Ray in Force Awakens, yeah, I am with the resistance. Or him saying, I'm a pretty big deal. By the end of Last Jedi, he is both of those things that he kind of lied about in Force Awakens. Yeah, that's true. Where do you see Finn taking all that into Episode Nine? It seems like there's got to be a lot more like teamwork in Episode Nine, where it's like, I don't see, you know, Finn's not going to be trying to run it off on his own. So he's going to want to be help. He's going to want to stay with the group kind of a thing. I don't know. Teaming up with Poe and Rose and Ray and just everybody. I don't know. <laughs> the only thing I can think of is, will his former loyalty to the First Order come to a final test? Well, I mean, that's the thing I think some I've heard people kind of wish for is that Finn would do something to try to help the other people in the First Order. Because now they've kind of, you can be in the First Order and you can leave and you can get out and you can change that. You know, maybe he should be trying to help some of the First Order people and convince them to leave the First Order and help out the resistance he really hasn't got to interact much with other first order people other than phasma and the and the traitor guy yeah i think finn's kind of maybe the most up in the air of where he could go in nine it'll be really interesting i'm really curious where his character goes yeah because he's kind of changed a lot since the beginning of force awakens and it'll be i guess seeing him kind of settle into his new role as somebody kind of as somebody who cares about others and not just his own survival now that now that he's fully committed to that change that will be a one to watch <laughs> let's let's move on to rose now rose started the last jedi when we first met her pretty sad about the death of her sister Paige. kind of hero worshiping finn for a little bit talking about how her and Paige talked about heroes of the resistance yeah she stepped up and she's the type of hero that her and her sister were talking about as much as Finn was when she met Finn at the beginning of the of the movie. Or at least she thought Finn was. <laughs> She's probably more of a real hero than Finn was at the beginning of the movie. No, but, you know, Finn did risk everything to rescue Ray, so he definitely... He did, yeah. Not, not saying anything bad about Finn. It's true. Her character will be really interesting also in Episode Nine, where they take her. Well, I wonder, and this kind of overlaps with Pokes, I was thinking about this today, that if they will get into the fact that Poe's recklessness in The Last Jedi directly resulted in her sister being killed, and if they'll ever discuss that between the two of them or if there would be any tension between them because Poe's definitely a different person by the end of Last Jedi as well, but Rose is kind of a living reminder of his mistake because everybody, everyone else who died in that mistake is dead, but you know Rose is still there and was very close to her sister who died. So I wonder if there'll be any sort of kind of relationship between those two, either tension between the two or friendship building up because of that shared experience with his mistake and her loss. Oh, and I think that directly relates to, we can talk about Poe, where it it boggles my mind always with people saying that like Poe's character was ruined or whatever in Last Jedi, because it's like, well, what, what was his character in The Force Awakens? I mean, I liked in Force Awakens that he was basically like a stereotypical, like, oh, gee whiz kind of flyboy, you know? And then that's all well and good, and that was great. But you can't stretch that out over three movies and make an interesting character out of it. It's just, you know, he's like an action figure at that point. And, and I like that Leia's quote when they're in the ship flying towards Crate talking about Holdo, that she was more interested in protecting the light than being a hero. And I think that is something we're going to see echo in Poe more. And even the end scenes in Crate when he's in a leadership position inside the bunker. And when Leia's like, what are you doing looking at me? Follow him. He's in charge here. And he's doing that. He's protecting the light. He's not interested anymore in being the hero. Like, I think he's learned his lesson from Holdo. Well, and it's kind of neat that with Last Jedi, we're kind of seeing somebody go from being, you know, just a pilot to being more of a leader as opposed to 
like in the original trilogy, it's just like, oh, you're a general now, you know, <laughs> I must have heard about my move at the Battle of Tanab. Like you're like, you're at least seeing like, oh, okay, this is what it takes to, to grow into a leader. Like you make some mistakes, you learn. It's not just, yeah, all of a sudden you're general in the next movie. <laughs> Which has a certain beauty to it, but yeah. It does, it does. But they're doing something, you know, we're getting something a little different with it this time around. Well, and I, I think in 9 we will see Poe even more defined as a clear leader of the resistance and a protector of the light, not just permission to blow something up. He still might want to blow stuff up, but... Uh, let's let's talk about a fun one, Hux. Hux has got nowhere to go but up at this point. <laughs> Man, yeah, it's, it's like we went from Force Awakens of kind of on equal footing with Ky- uh, Kylo and Snoke's eyes to now being subordinate to the supreme leader who never liked him anyway. Am I the only one that's really hoping for more Hux comedy? <laughs> I, you know, watching the movie again last time. It was just reminding me how much Huck's comedy is like. You chuckle a little bit the first time, but when you're like the 50th time in, it just gets funnier and funnier. <laughs> I don't, it's like, it's just that right kind of comedy that's, it only gets better each time you watch it. So maybe he'll be doing stand up. School of Orson Krennic, and he just falls downstairs. Somebody throws a pie at him. Yeah. A bucket of water drops on his head after he walks through a door. What is the meaning of this? Kylo's got a bucket of water on one of the like uh, interrogation droids just floating over his head. If you make me mad, it drops. I'm totally serious, Hux. You know what I just thought about, which is not quite a Hux thing, but you think in episode nine we're going to get hologram Kylo? It's about time. It hasn't happened yet, and it's about time. Yeah, we have not gotten hologram Kylo yet. And maybe we're going to get a giant hologram Kylo head yelling at some people. I would love a scene to start with Hux just like petting his cat. And a hologram Kylo head just shows up in Hux's, Hux's room. Stop it. Or, or Huck, uh, Kylo's hologram will just be his chest. He drew a smiley face underneath his nipples. Yeah, it's just a giant hologram chest shows up. It's me, Kylo Ren. <laughs> he makes his stomach talk. Like, in all seriousness, Hux does not like Kylo Ren. No. Hux really liked Snoke. And I wonder if part of the internal demise of the First Order will be fighting from within. Will Richard E. Grant's character play a role in that? I don't know. That could be kind of interesting, too, that the whole First Order system, the leadership is in a bad state. Well, and would they go so far as to have, I mean, would Hux be willing... Would Hux leave the First Order out of disgust, just out of spite for Kylo? Or is he too uh, too much a company man that he would never leave? I couldn't ever see him leaving, but it would be interesting if he somehow was caught. Oh, if they he's like the captured, they capture him? Because he would be dumb enough to get himself caught, I think. Going into Last Jedi, I was like, are we even going to, is Hux even going to be in it? <laughs> and he was, and it wasn't what I expected, but it was great. So, yeah, what's, where's Hux going to be next? Let's move on to Maz Kanata. Yeah, I, that's, she's the real mystery character, I think, because going back and watching Last Jedi, her part is goofy and fun, but it's really like they really had to try to, to find something for her to do in Last Jedi. But she is like JJ's baby, so maybe he's going to be more inclined to find something for her to do. But I could almost see her not being in episode nine and it not feeling out of place unless they are kind of the resistance is you know, kind of getting everybody they can back together. And Maz and her pirate friends show up to help out, which would be pretty awesome if there's a, some, you know, a fleet of pirate ships or something coming to help in a battle or something. I can't help thinking, too, if they're reusing... Carrie Fisher stuff from Force Awakens. And we've seen that bit in the teaser trailer with what sure looked like Maz handing Leia the lightsaber. Could that scene somehow work in nine? Like once the lightsaber's fixed? Yeah. Like they have Maz fix the lightsaber. And she's like, here, I fixed it. She gives it back to Leia. I don't know. If there was a scene between Leia and Maz, 
in seven at one time. Could that scene be redone? Because you could easily just film new stuff with Lupita Nyong'o and change the animation. And yeah, maybe she hands Leia uh, like a hot dog or something. Leia's like, "Oh my god, I'm so hungry." <laughs> Maza's like, "Here, have a hot dog." But yeah, that that will be one of the more interesting ones. Is she part of the resistance now? Who knows? Well, I think it is because of the fact that in the either the early drafts of the script or the early stuff they filmed, the fact that she did go back to the resistance base with them and kind of was with the resistance for the rest of the movie. So there was that thought at some point that she was kind of more of a big deal in the resistance. And with it, JJ being back, maybe he's going to bring back some of those ideas that didn't make it into seven. I wouldn't be surprised. And maybe we'll get to see Maz ride on a, like a dinosaur or a bird or something, which is pretty much all I could hope for. Since she, she at least got a jetpack. It's the only way to out jetpack a jetpack is to like ride a giant bird or something. Let's move on to a combo, C-3PO and R2-D2, which I was freaking out earlier this week thinking how in episode nine, it's the first time those two characters have been together where they're both awake for what could be the entire movie, which is kind of really exciting to think that we could get C-3PO and R2-D2 together action or just banter for a whole movie. It's funny because I actually, I try, I can't even think about that. <laughs> it's weird because it's like, I'm so worried that they're not going to have an adventure together and we're going to miss out on like the last time maybe to see them together that I can't even think about it because I want to just assume they're not even in the movie so that if they do have a scene together, I don't know. Because I, yeah, I want to see BB-8, R2, and 3PO teamed up to do something so bad and at least R2 and 3PO interacting. And yeah, with, I might want that more than anything in episode nine. <laughs> Even more than like Anakin's Force Ghost or anything, as I just want to see R2 and 3PO on an adventure together. I would be happy if every shot of one of them is actually the two of them together. And just a lot of them talking to each other, 3PO getting mad at R2, R2 being sassy to 3PO. And the movie ends and they're still with the resistance. So 3PO and R2 are still out there together for, for who knows how much longer. I feel like like with the prequels, we kind of took for granted how cool it was that we got them together a little bit. We didn't get a lot of them because they were apart for a while. But the fact that we got more of the two of them, even apart, we got at least Lucas loves his R2-D2. We got R2-D2 action in all the movies. And now kind of going into the sequel trilogy, it makes sense that BB-8 is the new droid. But the fact that we didn't get R2 and BB-8 together or... BB-8 and 3PO much together is kind of a shame. Well, let's move on to BB-8. BB-8 isn't like a whole lot for super character development through from Force Awakens to Last Jedi. But I think we can expect BB-8 to be a heroic little droid, <laughs> save the day, and he'll probably, like he shot gold coins out on Cantobite, he'll probably do something new we didn't know BB-8 could do in Episode Nine. Well, with BB-8 and even 3PO and R2, it's kind of like who and where are they going to end up? Because BB-8 is basically Poe's droid and Poe's best buddy who Poe lends out to everyone he meets. <laughs> and he spent most of Force Awakens with Rey and he spent all of Resistance with, uh, with Kaz. And Last Jedi, he ended up with Rose and Finn. Who's BB-8 going to be paired up with in Episode Nine? Is he going to be back with Poe, or is Poe going to send him on another mission? Yeah, I don't know. Is he going to be off with Rose? It would be kind of cool wherever Ray ends up going. BB-8 could go with her. That would be kind of cool since the story kind of began with the two of them. Yeah, I don't know. I'm ready for more BB-8. I want more BB units. I think I just really want like all the droids to team up and go do something together it's like a droid squadron and they're just all flying ships and fighting people the sequel trilogy version of a sunny day in the void is droids cracking jokes and flying ships a bb unit he's a bb unit he's a bb unit Well, speaking of being loyal to people let's talk about chewbacca every, every second with chewbacca is a gift in any of these movies. 
you know, Chewbacca lost Han Solo. He seems like he's pretty loyal to Ray at this point. He's kind. He, it seems like he really likes Ray. Um, he's grieving in his own way. He likes hanging out with Ray. So, do you think he's going to continue to be loyal to Ray, or do you think wh- when we reach the end of the Skywalker saga, is Chewbacca going to go home? I mean, they've been hinting at this in Solo and in the Aftermath books. He's looking for his family. That's true. He kind of he kind of deserves it. I don't want him to go, but he's kind of earned it. Man, that's interesting. I didn't even think about the fact that if episode nine, we get the like Revenge of the Sith, Lord of the Rings kind of end where everybody, we kind of see where everybody ends up. And if we get like Chewie walking into his house and hugging Lumpy and Maul is there, man. If that happens for the rest of my life, I will only talk out of a sock puppet. I'll be like Mick Foley. You want to talk to me? Don't look me in the face. Gotta look at the puppet. It'll be like the old Tron, and there'll be like a laser will come out of the wall and, and digitize me, and, and like I'll end up inside of a computer in the lobby. But yeah, I think yeah, Chewie deserves Chewie deserves it. I, mean, I I wouldn't imagine they would show Lumpy and Mala, but it ties it all together. Kevin Smith said so. I could see Lando maybe flying the Falcon to Kashyyyk. To take Chewie home as a maybe as like Lando's gift to the memory of Han Solo. Even Lando's gonna take Chewie to his house. Chewie's gonna hug his family, and they're gonna look at the picture of Han Solo that's now in that glass frame in their house that used to have Chewie's picture. Art Carney's gonna be there. It's gonna be magical. The whole theater. There's, they're gonna have to put towel like uh, sham sham wows on the on the ground in the theater to soak up all the tears. <laughs> they're gonna put in THX approved drains in the theaters so all the tears can drain and not flood the theaters. So now we're getting to the big ones. Let's start with Leia. This one is a giant question mark spinning in a circle. Because, <laughs> I mean, if we if we don't even think about, you know, the real world problem of they don't have Carrie Fisher to film new scenes. Leia Organa, by the end of The Last Jedi, she felt her brother moving on to a higher state or his death or whatever it was. She had that final moment with Luke, even though I think she knew it was a hologram. She called upon her allies in the Outer Rim, and at least by the end of Last Jedi, they hadn't shown up yet. But I think we all know they're going to in Nine, probably. So now Leia may think that she's at least alone. Han's gone, Luke's gone. The the crazy thing with Leia is it seems like the main reason to have her kind of around still in the story is kind of the unfinished relationship with Kylo and the fact that he wasn't able to kill her, even though he was able to kill Han. If they haven't figured out a way to have the two of them interact, it seems like they might as well have have had her die off screen. Because it just seems like a lot of the other characters, I mean, Poe's kind of kind of in charge and by the end of Last Jedi. Like, everyone's kind of in an okay place without Leia, except for Kylo. I'm really curious to see how they can, or if they can make that work with the two of them interacting in some way. Especially trying to just use old footage and not CG her in some way. But we don't know. Maybe they did have scenes together in, in the first movie and we just did, we haven't seen them. I imagine ILM can do just about anything. I think we are going to see some things that we're going to be like, how is how are we even seeing this right now? This is hurting my brain looking at this because I don't understand what I'm seeing or how they did this, you know? And we'll get to this more when we get on to Kylo Ren. But if Kylo Ren is going to turn... I mean, I would think it, it's been building to this moment with his mother. I, I'm not ruling out Ray's influence in all this, but I, I think his mother is just as equally as important f- for Kylo Ren. I mean, that one moment when he's in his, his TIE fighter thing, and he just about starts to cry at the idea of shooting a laser blast at his mom, you know? I, I don't, and I love the final scene of Leia where she is sitting there with Ray, and Ray's like, how do we rebuild the rebellion from this and Leia says we have everything we need and they just got done before that talking about Luke and Luke inspiring everyone with that feeling of hope it's 
like Snoke says, as long as Skywalker lives, hope lives in the galaxy. And that, you know, it's like Leia's final line in Rogue One, hope. You know, she's always believe and hope. Where do you take that into nine as Leia still being kind of like the the light guiding people? And how do you do it with a digital creation? I don't know. Or, yeah, reusing existing footage. It has the potential to be the, the craziest effect in the movie and also a crazy part of the story, like a really important part of the story, which like I was saying, it seems like the amount of headache it's going to be to make her be in the movie makes me think that there has to be some really important story purpose for her to be in the movie, to even deal with the headache when they very easily could have just had her die between movies. And it's like, Oh, it's too bad. I wish General Leia was here, you know? Yeah. You could even say from complications of her time, she spent in space when her body was frozen and she used the force to push herself back into the ship. I mean, you could say that that took a toll on her and in the, whatever time between eight and nine, she passed away. I think audiences would be okay with that. Well, and that kind of brings us to Luke Skywalker. Luke, who became one with the force and everyone would have been probably okay with that being the end of his story being cast for episode nine and then making a point of letting everybody know that he's cast for episode nine. So either they're just messing with everybody, they're tooling with us, or we're going to get some uh, force ghosts or flashbacks, right? I've been thinking about Luke in episode nine way too much. No surprise, but it's kind of something that they were talking about in, in uh, sky talkers back in their crawl episode that made me think about this too, that, even if you go back and watch the original trilogy, it's not so much about what Luke does in those movies as much as how he influences others. He influences his father to pick up the main bad guy of the saga at that point and throw him down a bottomless pit and turn into like purple gas or whatever happens. And it's how he influences his friends around him and he influences the galaxy by being the Jedi, the return of the Jedi, whether that means him or Anakin or whatever you want to believe. And that still is true in The Last Jedi and even Force Awakens. Just the myth of Luke Skywalker is influencing and inspiring others, whether Luke wants to believe it or not. And only in the end of Last Jedi, when he realizes my very being the image of me influences people. And he literally sends out an image of himself to influence others. And it works. So now in nine, I think he will continue to influence. Well, he will influence Leia. He will definitely influence Ray. I almost imagine Luke having a scene not too different from Obi-Wan Kenobi in Return of the Jedi, but maybe the exact opposite, where when Kenobi sat down with Luke in Jedi and he's like, then the Empire has already won. If you don't kill your dad, we're all screwed, Luke. I don't know what to tell you. I, I think Luke's presence, especially after that talk he had with Yoda in The Last Jedi, with we are what they grow beyond. He did my word not, did you? Pass on what you have learned. Strength, mastery, but weakness, folly, failure also. Yes, failure most of all. The greatest teacher failure is. If Luke comes and shows up and talks to Ray at any time, his speech could be very influential in not only the ending of the movie, but the future of the Jedi, whatever that means in Ray. Now that we've seen they're, they're willing to bring Force Ghost Yoda back, I got to think Luke's going to be back as a ghost. But as much as we've joked about it, I still could see them flipping it on its head and having... Luke come back to talk to Kylo and kind of trying to make amends and push him back on the right path and Kylo not being ready to hear it, but Luke still trying. You watch Last Jedi and you kind of realize Ray didn't really need Luke. The rest of the galaxy needed Luke, but Ray was kind of on her. She was on the right path already, uh, especially like I was thinking watching the scene where she Luke doesn't want to train her. So she's just out practicing with the lightsaber on her own. And he kind of shows up and it's like, yeah, well, she's she knows what she's doing. <laughs> <laughs> He's just kind of watching because she's kind of figuring out what she needs to figure out more so than than Luke needed when he was in her situation. He needed Obi-Wan and Yoda to kick him kick him into shape. Yeah, I think Luke's final words to Kylo, see you around, kid, are true. I, I don't think their talking is done. And it could be 
a play on that moment in Return of the Jedi, but the opposite, where Luke shows up with Ben Solo. Which leads us right to Kylo Ren, a.k.a. Ben Solo. The million dollar question. What's going to happen to Kylo Ren? The movies are about Rey. Our main character is Rey. The focus of our story is Rey. She's the Luke Skywalker of this story. But boy, oh boy, Kylo Ren's story sure is interesting. (laughs) Ryan Johnson referred to them as, what, two sides of the same antagonist. I mean, they're both the two facets of the main character in a way. And I think I'm sure JJ was probably thinking of them the same way. It's not as much about just the Ray or Luke hero character as it is. It's equally Kylo's story. Well, and in the end, I guess, you know, with the original trilogy is much, it was as much Vader's story as Luke's story too. So we're kind of keeping that going. They are Ray and Kylo are the yin and yang of the light and the dark in this story. Is there redemption for Kylo? And what does redemption for Kylo mean when he is the emperor? Is he going to, you know, is he throwing himself into a reactor shaft? Doesn't You can't turn him to kill the, the real bad guy because he's now become the big boss guy. When he already did. Yeah, he already kind of killed him and took over. So going into Return of the Jedi, they were kind of teasing that maybe Luke's going to turn bad. And you weren't sure until the end of the movie if Luke was going to go bad or not. And we kind of have the opposite of that with Kylo, where they're kind of teasing in Last Jedi, like, is Kylo going to go good? And going into Episode Nine, like, is he going to is he going to go good or not? So we still have that anticipation, but it's a little bit turned on its head from Return of the Jedi. But it's like we were talking with Leia. I think if he does turn, I think it's about family. I think it goes back to what Lor Santeca told him back in the very beginning of Force Awakens. You cannot deny the truth that is your family. That is what still haunts him, the family. I mean, that's what he was, like, freaking out to Ray in The Last Jedi, like, filthy junk dealers and all that stuff. And You know, like like you're saying, like Ryan Johnson said, that they are two sides of the same coin and the the yin and yang of each other. And, you know, you think of Kylo, he, he had a family, but he rejected them. He felt separated from them. Threw, you know, threw all that away and threw away his destiny and the force and his mighty Skywalker blood and all that stuff. Whereas Rey is the exact opposite. She has no family. She has nothing, comes from nothing, doesn't come from this mighty blood. But like Kylo has rejected his destiny. She's embracing her destiny, or at least it seems like she is. So kind of where they are at the end of Last Jedi are they come from exact opposites, you know? <laughs> Right, Kylo had a good family that he rejected, and Ray had a terrible family that she still clings to and is trying to still trying to find a new family to replace the old one where Kylo's is running from any sort of family. Well, and I think that kind of brings us to Ray, where I think she by the end of Last Jedi, like we've said before, I think she has accepted that her strength comes from herself and not from any kind of bloodline that she's attached to or not attached to or whatever that she is extremely powerful and <laughs> and it's her, it's because of just who she is not who her parents were and i think in the end when she's on the bridge of the falcon and she's looking around and all that i think that almost says that this is her family now these are her friends these are her people and she has a very important role in that as the jedi the one that can show up and lift a wall of rocks to free people, you know, do the impossible. But she also, you know, like so many of these characters we've talked about in this episode, where she goes from the end of Last Jedi is a giant question mark because how strong will she be and what will she do with her newfound strength? The end of the movie is not going to be a big fight where somebody like beats somebody else up and wins by beating them up, right? Because it wouldn't be Star Wars. If it's just ending, ending, if you're, you're not going to win with just being stronger and more violent than the other person, whether it's the resistance beating the first order, you know, it's like there's going to be more to it than that. And what that more to it is, is keeping me up at night. <laughs> I think, what, what are they going to do? Where is it going to go? I think about back in the prequels with George Lucas laying down those rules of the force are in that one bonus feature where he's talking about like what it is to be a Jedi. Found in all living things, found as close from us. 
uh, controls individuals, yet we have free will. We have a destiny if we want to follow it. We live for a reason and must discover what it is. The only way to overcome the dark side is through discipline. The dark side is pleasure, biological, and temporary, and easy to achieve. The light side is joy, everlasting, and difficult to achieve. The great challenge must overcome laziness, give up quick pleasures, and overcome fear, which leads to hate. Amen. Now let us pray. <laughs> that is Ray. She is the like living embodiment of the light side of the force. She's had this connection with Ben Solo. And when they touched hands, she said she saw his future clear. And she had faith in him for that moment. But you get the sense by the end of Last Jedi, is that faith she had in Ben Solo broken fully when she closes that door of the Falcon? Or is she compassionate and selfish enough? Would she give Ben Solo another chance? I don't know if she would. Well, and I just wonder what what would Ben Solo have to do to either convince her that he's worth her reevaluating or even to redeem himself in some way other than just giving up and like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to retire (laughs) from this, from this first order business and go live in space on a farm or something other than him. There's not someone else to defeat. It's like, I don't know. It's fascinating. I'm glad I'm not JJ Abrams right now. This is probably why they're still filming. (laughs) If we film enough footage, it'll eventually it'll end. (laughs) We'll just film every idea everyone's got and just, See what happens. Well, I don't know. This will be a really interesting episode to listen to in a year from now and (laughs) see how far off we were and how completely wrong we were. And when Kylo Ren shows up with a big, crazy Rasputin beard, we didn't see that coming. When there's a disco duck flying the Millennium Falcon or something. There are porgs on there. They can have disco porgs. Close enough. We'll find out. (laughs) It's going to be a fun next 12 months. Joy lasts forever. Pleasure is purely self-centered. It's all about your pleasure. It's about you. It's about it's a selfish, self-centered emotion that's created by a self-centered motive of greed. Joy is compassion. Joy is giving yourself to somebody else or something else. And it's a kind of thing that is, in its subtlety and lowness, much more powerful than pleasure. If you get hung up on pleasure, you're doomed. If you pursue joy, you will find everlasting happiness. So with that, I'm gone. (laughs) Bye-bye. Thank you. Remember, the Force will be with you always. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away... And a girl on an adventure unlike anything on your planet. Star Wars. Strictly big screen stuff. From director George Lucas and 20th Century Fox. Star Wars. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. and creature performer details from a few of these Star Wars movies set in a galaxy far, far away. And you're listening to Blast Points Podcast with Jason and Gabe. May the Force be with you. And these last points, too accurate for sand people... Only Imperial Stormtroopers are so precise. All right, so iTunes reviews, you know the drill when you are done 
listening to this episode. If you listen on Apple something, or if you actually listen to it on an actual Apple that you can eat, then you got to go over to iTunes when you're done listening. Write a little something nice, and we will read your review on an upcoming show. And after that, check out BlastPointsPodcast.com, Instagram, Twitter, and check us out on Facebook. And make sure you sign up for the Blast Points Super Chill Group so you can interact with Blast Points craziness 24 hours a day. Always good stuff getting posted on there. It's the best place on the internet, the Blast Points Super Chill Group. I love it. It would make Kevin Smith cry. Well, that about wraps up an absolutely epic episode 151. We're going to be back next week with another all-new episode talking about another anniversary that's out there. Can't wait. It's going to be a good one. But that about wraps this one up. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you. Talk to you soon. May the force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the force be with you. Nick Nolte. May the force be with all of you. 